to the witching hour. I am Perry. This is Haley, and today we're talking about WandaVision. Yay! I'm very excited. Me too. I have missed the MCU. So have I. I feel I like I knew I missed it before, but I didn't really know how much I missed it until the uh, the logo yeah. off the new episodes, and I'm like, holy shit! I needed this in my life. I definitely like, you know me, I'm, I'm reluctant to like give too much emotional investment to a massive corporation like Marvel and Disney. So it kind of like makes me feel really bad when that happens. And I'm like, oh my God, am I tearing up? Do I love this product that much? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. I, I knew that connection was there with this brand quite a while ago and I'm just fully embracing it <laughs> out there who is like, why is the Witching Hour covering WandaVision? It's a superhero show. You know, it's a superhero show with genre elements. And if you watch the first two episodes, I think you might get the sense that those genre, I would call them maybe more chilling elements of the show, are probably going to increase. Or at least that is my current prediction. So it is very much in the Witching Hour wheelhouse. They'd be creepy. They're like, they're, yeah. there are... In- well, I wish we had seen all the episodes, so I can't say that. But in like every episode that we've seen, there is at least one creepy moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, before we go full-blown spoilers with episodes one and two, just a, a general reaction to the beginning of WandaVision, Haley. How are you feeling about it so far? Do you like it? I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's really exciting in the way that I think you know, maybe it takes 20 years or whatever to get to this point, 20 years. I can't even tell time. However long the MCU has been doing its thing, which is not 20 years. (laughs) uh, They can be really weird now in a way that I don't think you could have been with Iron Man 1 or Mm -hmm. any of those phase one. It's like you need an audience that will stay with you through having no clue what's going on and still be like, yeah, I love this. Yeah. Uh, and they're doing it. They're doing it great. It's so, I I love how much it seems like all the creative departments got to have fun with this as they, as they go through the different decades. And um, it's a really different, different form of storytelling for them. I have no idea what this show is about. <laughs> I've, I've got, I've got some ideas. I'm sure my ideas are wrong because most of my theories are, I feel like, if I come up with something, it's not smart enough for their writing team, so I'm probably wrong. That's <laughs> I love this show, though, so far. And I think I think what you said is very true. The very beginning of the MCU kind of had to establish that, that firm foundation, really let you settle into the world and the characters that they were building it with. And then, as with any franchise, as you continue to expand and... And you you spend many, many years, not necessarily 20 years, but many, many years. You need to do something, you know, a big big swing type or out of left field or, you know, really, really embrace a unique style. Otherwise, you are going to keep delivering the same thing over and over. And the beauty of the MCU and these, you know, fairly extreme types of characters is... Their power sets, you know, in particular, I guess, with Wanda and Vision, but their power sets can can uh, support things like this. Their power sets, the the variety of cultures we see in the MCU, whether it's an Earthbound story or one set in space, there are really great opportunities. And I think that we've seen them embrace those more unique types of stories a little bit throughout the years, probably the most with something like Guardians. But WandaVision in particular is really, really going for it. And I applaud them for that because based on the episodes we've seen thus far, one, it's highly entertaining, which is a top priority here. But two, they are planting seeds that suggest to me that they're doing that kind of thing with purpose. And we all know how precious the MCU and and the lore and all the connectivity is. And the fact that you could have that unique entertainment value, but while serving that at the same time, that combo is key here. Yeah. I, I, I have a lot of faith in Kevin Feige and how he plans this stuff out. Uh, and 
there's no part of me that's like worried that because I am still completely clueless to what's going on. I have theories, but I have no knowledge. Yeah. Um, I'm not worried. I'm like, can't wait to find out because I know it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Before before we put up any kind of spoiler warning, just big round of applause for Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany because, yeah, I've I've always liked them in these roles. And I like the little bits of their connection and their romance that we've seen in the MCU thus far, but none of that can compare to what WandaVision lets them do. I mean, this is the perfect example of giving to very talented individuals the opportunity to flex their creative muscles. And wow, can they handle it. And the two of them together, their chemistry is just so utter, utterly delightful. It is like, it's basically impossible not to have the old school sitcom feel of, you know, falling in love with the, uh, you know, the title couple or the starring couple. Like they have that effect on you. And the fact that we get to have that same kind of feeling that I used to have as a kid watching Nick at night shows, that is that's really freaking cool and not what I expected to ever get in my life again. I can't agree more with all of that. I'm so obsessed with what they're doing. I'm so obsessed with their performances, how much fun they seem to be having. Bettany especially is just yeah. having a big old blast. <laughs> and, uh, you love to see it. Um, and their chemistry is so like knock you out, radioactive, strong. Like that is some damn fine chemistry. And we just never got to spend this time with these characters and I love these characters especially Vision like I love Vision mm -hmm. I was, have always been very disappointed in how underpowered and underused he's been in the films and I just watched like all the relevant movies back to back before this happened they are in so much less of them than you remember yeah <laughs> those scenes are so slight I was doing a little a little scrubbing through and you know I, I do think that that also speaks to their abilities as actors because you know when I think I'm looking back on what we got it like it feels so much fuller than what it really is but it doesn't amount to as much screen time as it as it feels like which is a sign of a good performance like I, I don't know my brain had just washed away the fact that vision is barely in a yeah. It's just that his scenes are so fantastic that you think he's such a major presence in the film. Yeah. All right. Should we do it? Should we just jump right in? Yeah. All right. The two episodes are available, so we're not going to go episode by episode here. We're going to put up the spoiler warning for episodes one and two of WandaVision. They are available on Disney+. Plus. If you haven't watched them yet, all you got to do is push pause on the video, go on over to Disney+, Plus, give them a watch, and when you come back to this video, it'll kick off at the same spot. So... We are going to leave all you fine folks who have not seen WandaVision yet. Clearly, we both like it and recommend seeing it. Now, we're going to get into the details. The fun stuff. Yeah, there's there's a lot of curiosity here. I'll, I'll be honest, though. I was getting nervous after that first episode. How so? In that mm -hmm. I was wondering if they were going to lean too hard into the sitcom of it all and not come out of it like not start not start to drop enough clues because there were there were certain beats and in particular certain looks that the characters give that you know do kind of set the stage for something not being quite right but episode one does feel like a very pure 1950s sitcom episode through and through like there's there's very little MCU in it besides these two characters. I was genuinely taken aback by how committed it is to that bit. Yes. Uh, aside from that one scene, really, it's just a straightforward, slapsticky, romantic sitcom. I was blown away. When it wraps up and you kind of pull out to see the control room, I'm like, I was starting to think that, okay, they're hinting at a larger world, but I also thought that for a second that could have just been, you know, like a shticky, uh, like post-credit type of technique. Mm -hmm. where they were just going to, like, as they were changing the opening of WandaVision, they were just going to do that with the end credits as well, and they were just going to show that it's in the MCU that way, especially because when episode two picks up, it's pretty much the exact same thing. For the first couple of minutes, it feels very sitcom and nothing else if you know what i mean so i remember like having a verbal response to that in the beginning of the second episode like 
basically sitting there thinking, holy shit, they're they're really committing to this. They're really going to do it. How long is this going to last? I like it, but do I want this for an entire series, uh, season's run? And I, I thought, no. And then all of a sudden the helicopter drops and I'm like, ha, I like what you're doing. <laughs> uh, they definitely are super committed to that bit. And I'm really interested to see how that plays out in later episodes, which will clearly like, will at that point kind of start to know what this actually is. Yeah. And I wonder if they'll still have time for this sort of creative exploration they're doing with the sitcom format uh, amidst the part where the MCU is more prevalent. I, th- I think it's going to be less and less as we go along. That would be my guess too. And maybe it's also like, you know, by the time you get to whatever their last ones are, like the office or modern family, I think they said were inspirations for some of the later ones. That's just kind of like a documentary style shooting style. It's not, it doesn't require as much technical performance. I don't think. I was going to save this for later in the episode, but I do, I want to tease what Elizabeth Olsen had said about the, uh, the twilight zone touch in particular with the camera work. So I I think what we're going to wind up getting, because she did say twilight zone was a big influence and she brought it up while talking about the uh, like the single camera type of format and how how a Twilight Zone episode is shot is something completely different. I think we're going to see the melding of those two uh, visual styles where the sitcom visuals and the Twilight Zone visuals wind up almost like switching places. Like the visuals that we're getting now bleed more into that. And by the end of it, we'll still have a touch of sitcom, but it's going to be more you know, of a, of a darker Twilight Zone mystery type of touch. Sounds good to me. This is my, my prediction, at least. Who doesn't want to see Modern Family as a Twilight Zone episode? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. Here, well, I want your take on something else she had said. Mm-hmm. Because uh, obviously right now, we're very much in the prediction phase. We don't really know what what's happening to them. We got the, the radio... Uh, the radio broadcast, which, you know, I mean, the broadcast flat out says who's doing this to you, Wanda, but that doesn't necessarily mean someone really is doing it to her for all the, the sword agents. uh, No, maybe she's doing it to herself, which is kind of what I'm leaning towards at the moment. But anyway, I asked Elizabeth Olsen what Wanda's headspace was at the very beginning. Like when she first burst through the door to start a new life with vision in sitcom land, what is she thinking? And she she made a point of highlighting the difference between a blank slate and a clean slate. Hmm. And she had said that this isn't a clean slate for Wanda. It's a blank slate. And I, I thought I had a, ve- a very good understanding of, of what that could mean. And I guess now that I'm thinking about it a little more, a blank slate versus a clean slate would imply to me that someone put her in that position. Because if it was a clean slate, maybe she's pushing her, pushing like past experiences behind her. Right. Whereas if someone started her off as a blank slate, but then, but then that brings uh, into the equation what we were talking about when we were uh, chatting the other day regarding where WandaVision falls in the MCU timeline, which we still don't have clarity on. That would sure help to know in terms of me, like, committing to one of my theories. I feel like if I knew that one piece of information, I could knock out, like, three or four of my theories. Can you Um, share some of those theories? Sure. (laughs) I don't like to share my theories because I hate to be wrong. Uh, On the record, at least. I'll be wrong (laughs) with my friends. No, uh, my... mm, I guess my big theory that's contrary to what a lot of people think is that I have a suspicion that it's possible this is something Vision is causing not Wanda uh, based on some of the things I noticed when I was going back through the older films um, older but you know uh, and some of the comics lore and just the fact that his powers have never really been properly explored uh, or investigated in any way. 
this seems to me like a, a prime opportunity to do that thing and to investigate his character and to, I hope not, but possibly wrap up his character and finally mm -hmm. give it his due. Um, but also things like they made a really big deal about him not being able to phase properly in Infinity War after he got stabbed, whatever that magical blade was that made him unable to phase. Um, and then in Ant-Man and the Wasp, there's a part in the lecture where um, he's talking about how phasing mishaps, I can't think of the right word right now, but like when you have problems with phasing, you can be stuck in multiple realities. And at the time, it seems like a clean setup mm -hmm. for a ghost, but no, rewatching, knowing where we were heading, I was like, oh, they sure did emphasize his phasing problems, didn't they? Um, so I, I guess like, it's a very rough theory. I don't like have the details nailed down, but um, I, I guess my theory is that something happened when Wanda like blew up the Mind Stone in, at the end of Infinity War and maybe he created like a pocket dimension, which would explain sword or got trapped in a dream dimension or something like that. Um, and has to do with their Mind Stone connection, allowing them to both be in the space together. Which would also explain maybe why, like, I just don't get why this would be Wanda's doing after we see her in Endgame, because she's, like, healing. So, but if this was Vision's doing in between, that makes more sense to me. Yeah, I re-watched I re that conversation with Hawkeye at the end of Endgame, and I still don't think it's convincing enough to make me think that she has firm closure. I still think that there might be some you know, hurt and need to escape there. And I don't know, for all we know, maybe in a future movie or or maybe in this series in some sort of flashback form for that matter, we might see, you know, some sort of a, like a breakdown of sorts after that. And this is kind of her, her place to hide and have a safe haven. And him in this show is more of a creation of hers than who he truly was. Also because in the first two episodes, Wanda has a significant amount of control over how the episodes play out. Like her being able to rewind the beekeeper thing yeah. makes me think that this is not necessarily Vision's doing. Like she's the more active of the two. That's totally fair. And like, again, this is not a fully formed theory that I have nailed down. It just a lot of things are striking to me about it. Yeah. Um, but I guess my thing about that is even if somebody were to, let's say, Vision, were to take her and put her into a pocket universe, that wouldn't take away her powers necessarily. And she is tremendously powerful in any situation. That would be that would be an interesting and potentially very thoughtful spin on the who's doing this to you, Wanda, radio transmission, too, if it is Vision in the end. And, it, and it, I would be curious to know her reaction in the end of that or the discovery that Vision has has somewhat trapped them there. I just it's just a theory I like. And I don't I'm not like like I said, I have like four or five, but that's my favorite one. It, and they're all like different. You know, it could be Mephisto. It could be yeah. uh, all kinds. It could be Wanda doing it. Like you said, it, there's a million different things it could be. But that's mm -hmm. the one I like the most. At this point, it is a it's a theory that does uh, that does make some sense. I didn't totally pull it out of my ass, you guys. I've got no. I've got some backup on this. There's there's definitely enough dots <laughs> to connect there. Yeah. Okay, so just to just to clarify slash recap here, your theory would have WandaVision taking place after the snap. I believe so. Yeah. It would have to be if my theory were to work. I mean maybe maybe by creating this the sitcom realm, that's the only way Vision can continue to survive after that. That's just where could, he goes. Could be. And he has this like, conversation, I think it's in Civil War, where he talks about how much he does not understand his abilities or the Mind Stone at all, which I don't think in any way was like directly setting up this, although who knows with Marvel. But it is something to say like he very much could just create okay. or do something that he didn't understand. 
I think I think I'm more with you on this. So wow. this, this is what this is what happens to them after the snap. And then what if this experience within WandaVision is what paves the way to her conversation with Hawkeye at the end of Endgame, where this show is kind of what gives her the closure. I like it. I, I look forward to being like the most wrong a human being can be. Actually, no, I'm wrong, but I'm, I own that that's about to happen to me. I think I need to keep doing this and, and sharing theories, even if they are wrong, because I mean, you, you know, I prefer binge watching things. And if I can't binge watch this show that I desperately want to binge watch, the fun of theorizing is going to fill those those gaps there. And I, I think I need to have that. I am so spoiled by screeners. And I'm like, what do you mean? Wait, <laughs> I don't yeah. want to wait, but I will. And I'll be very excited. And sometimes it's very fun, as I've argued before on this show, this very show, that sometimes it's very fun to be a part of that communal process of theorizing and discussing and all that. It is. It is. While you wait. I mean, especially especially when, you know, people may disagree with your theory, but they do it respectfully and they do it in a way that could be informative and maybe your theories morph together and we learn by our conversation and then jumping in the comment section and sharing your own theories. I, I mean that genuinely too. Like that's part of the process that I love here. I haven't had time yet. Cause you know, like work, but I can't wait to hit up Reddit and see what everybody's yeah. throwing around and what they notice that. Cause they always notice whatever I've noticed, they will notice 100% more. I feel like I've been in a little bit of a, like a personal WandaVision bubble because th this is actually the first time I've I've talked about it with someone else oh wow. I think I've, I've had my head or at least you know not counting Elizabeth Olsen but since that interview happened I've like kept my head down and, and you you see all I've really done is is churn out breakout stories from that conversation so this is the first time I've come up for air <laughs> you're in it deep um and all of this having not seen the whole show I just I the amount of whatever that's inside baseball stuff, but like the amount of work and thought that goes into not even knowing what the show is yet is pretty phenomenal. It is, but it's enjoy. It's enjoyable, especially when it's a good show that, you know, winds up deserving all that time and energy too. I know. I'm so excited about it. And it's just a pleasure to watch, which I think shouldn't be undervalued. I mean, that's all the theorizing and all that, which I love to do. It's just fun to watch. That's a big part of it. I mean, in episode two, the stuff, the uh, the magician stuff, I like that was one of that's one of those sequences in a show or movie that when it's over, your face hurts because you don't realize how big you're grinning the entire time. That whole sequence was such an utter delight. It's so much fun. And again, that is Paul Bettany just having the time of his life. Good for him. And it is contagious. You, like you said, you're just grinning along with him. And, the, you know, those two characters haven't really had the opportunity to have much fun. No. They're very serious. They're very serious. And, I mean, what, we had, like, that semi, I wouldn't even say fun, but, like, lighthearted paprikash scene. But, again, yeah. not really. they weren't, like, having fun. They just weren't currently in turmoil. Like you definitely wouldn't describe any scene they've been a part of as playful, which we're seeing a lot of here. They're so playful. They're so flirty. The show is low-key pretty, like, horny and naughty, which I find yeah. they both look radiant in black and white. My goodness, mm -hmm. not that they're not beautiful in color, but wow. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, really... We should applaud, I mean, we did this a little up top, I guess, but every single department here, too, because... Damn, they recreate that style so well, and yet they do it in a way that that still feels vibrant and fresh somehow, while tapping into something we already knew about and loved. And really, just every single element of the production is nailing it. And you can't pull something off like this without it. I mean, I I just want to applaud Jack Schaefer, the uh, the showrunner here. Like, what what a great choice. Have you ever seen Timer, Haley? <laughs> With Emma Caulfield? Yeah, uh, yeah, she's the star of that, right? Yeah, who plays Dottie? Yes. Yeah, it's a cute one. I'm like, 
oddly obsessed with that or i was but i think it debuted in a in a tribeca like forever ago and i saw it and i was just like fascinated by that concept that's so cute i can't believe i didn't know that it's like a random movie that nobody has ever seen that is very sweet and fun well, i'm looking it up now it was it was it was uh i think it was my first tribeca film fest and, and you know i think that's part of the reason why it's got such a place in my heart i think oh. uh, a lot of the ones that were first to at a tribeca for me i feel like that's one of the ones moon moon was a big deal to me i felt very very important for getting to see moon at a film festival you should that's a great one yeah Oy. but uh i'm very happy for what'd you say i didn't realize that she she was the one who did yeah. timer that's great because i I, I've been like looking out for her ever since. And, and when her MCU in, involvement was uh, mentioned, I'm like, holy shit. Like I wouldn't have connected these dots, but I'm glad it's happening. And, you know, she's got a story by credit on black widow. So, you know, Jack, Jack Schaefer could be a name worth writing on your list and keeping an eye on, especially if this does signal continued involvement in the MCU. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things too, where like, it's super fascinating that this was not supposed to be the kickoff for phase four because it feels like such a pivotal development in the yeah. movie. Um, uh, which I guess I bring up because it suggests to me that she seems likely to have future projects if this goes well, because it seemed super duper important. It was supposed to be, um, was it Falcon and Winter Soldier that was supposed to come first? Yeah. So, so this is actually reinforcing your theory in my mind. I think this, this takes place between Infinity War and Endgame or whatever realm that they're in post-snap. And then that's how it paves the way to Doctor Strange, which, you know, like this, this show puts Wanda in the position we see here in, at the end of Endgame. And then she takes the lessons learned to Doctor Strange. And she winds up growing her, her powers and skill set because of the events of the show. And then that would just, you know, I'm assuming uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to take place after Endgame as well. And perhaps those those two stories could be just happening at a similar time. So hmm. it does make sense. Maybe production-wise, it didn't make as much sense for them to release this show before that show. But I, th I think timeline-wise, if I'm rolling with your theory, it, it could make a lot of sense. I wouldn't, I wouldn't invest too much on the back of my theories. I can't well, like I like it now. You're supporting me a lot. I feel like I've put like a little bow on it somehow, and it's making me feel real good about it. Awesome. And then, I mean, well, also the other one that seems like it's going to have really serious, like, uh, mythology repercussions is Loki, because that's also a multiverse situation of what the fuckery. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier seems like it's probably going to be a little more straightforward in terms of basically sussing out who becomes Captain America and their mm -hmm. adventure and all that. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that at the end it'll be like, psych, this was on Earth 7. Yeah. Um, no, but probably not. That's not the vibe I'm getting. That's not the vibe I'm getting either. And it also just like, I don't even necessarily, I'm not saying this because I necessarily even want it, but it does, it seems to me to be uh, the smarter move to have a reasonable balance between grounded earth set material and playing with these other, uh, you know, these other powers and timelines and all that stuff. And they're already leaning into that so heavily with so many properties. I feel like you need one that's still, still on earth proper. That really has yeah. been like Captain America as the franchise role has kind yeah. of kept it grounded throughout. So it makes a lot of sense. Ugh, everything looks so good too. It, it is really cool. And uh, it makes me feel better that we're getting everything so fast too. It's, it's like after I finished my WandaVision screeners, I got sad because I didn't have any more right then and there. But then that feeling of what am I going to do when the series is over already kicked in. But what is it? Falcon and Winter Soldier in March? Oh yeah, that's soon. Yeah, it's uh, it's something like that, and it's right around the corner. Like we're gonna after after uh, not having MCU in our life for such a long period of time, we're we're gonna have a steady steady stream of content for a while. Why 2019? I did not believe that until I yeah. double checked it while writing an article. I was like, nah, that couldn't that can't be right. It's too long. Yeah. My 2019 was the last MCU. So yeah. crazy. It's it's giving me uh I long to be back in a movie theater 
but being able to enjoy this, I think just as much at home by myself. I don't know. It's just giving me like a little, a little hope or making me feel better about the, uh, you know, the transition time that we still have ahead of us too. It is a weirdly powerful sort of feeling of some return to normalcy, even if it's just yeah. like a fake return to normalcy. It emotionally feels important. I also think that the style of WandaVision well well suits the phase that we're in right now because because of what the show is doing with classic sitcoms, it does feel very appropriate for, you know, not, not necessarily the strong, the small screen, but the, the at home individual viewing, uh, you know, like viewing through a streaming service, I guess, but it, it, it feels very appropriate to that, but while also very clearly tying into what we've been missing for so long in that communal theater environment. And I don't know that like that combination was like, just what I needed right now. I see exactly what you mean. And it is like, uh, I'm sure that was inherent in the design, you know, that it would be perfectly suited to TV because it is about TV yes. to some extent. But it, it is, it does feel like a return to some sort of communal experience, even if it's not the theatrical communal experience that we haven't had too much of over the last year. Well, that's, that's how Mandalorian made me feel too. Or at least when I caught up with Mandalorian, I was behind the entire time and had to like cut myself off from all the conversation. But in the end, it did feel like like a big event that everyone was part of together. And I liked that. I, I, I just did not go as hard on that. So I I feel it more here. But you're absolutely right that that's been one of the things to provide that experience. Um, um, the thing about Mandalorian too is like there you can theorize, but it's pretty straightforward what oh that God, yeah. is. <laughs> and so this is like I can theorize, you know, yeah. get in it. The possibilities for this really seem endless. Um, what do you make of the voice on the radio? Do you have a prediction of who it is? I think it's definitely Jimmy Woo. Yeah, hundred like percent. Oh, like you are absolutely sure that's who it is. That's Randall Park's voice. Yeah. I, I mean, I was figuring the same. Yeah. I mean, maybe I, unless they hired someone specifically to sound like Randall Park and trick us, which no. would, I wouldn't put it past Marvel. They love a trick. You never know. And again, I keep going back to anytime something feels certain to me, it's like, you're wrong because they're smarter than you and they'll trick you. Yeah. Or not trick you, but, you know. They'll, they'll outmaneuver your Exceed oh, expectations, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but that's, I mean, I feel like that's him. He's working with S.W.O.R.D. and that's how that's going to be. Do you know? Oh, shit. I, like, totally didn't connect the dots between Emma Caulfield in Timer and here. Yeah. <laughs> She's fucking body. Why am I first realizing that? I don't know. I was also busy looking up a timer while we were talking earlier because I was hoping to be like, and you could watch this movie that we've been uh, singing its praises of on Hulu or something. Like, no, it's not available anywhere. Like, I guess you could buy it somewhere. But I feel like it was streaming on Netflix for years. And that's how I finally watched it. I feel like it had to have been streaming somewhere because I feel like I had watched it not recently, but like fairly recently because of a streaming service, but it's just watch page is totally empty, which surprised me. Well, I bet that's about to change once people start looking up who Jack Schaefer is. Yeah. I, it is lovely to see Emma Caulfield. I'm such a huge Buffy fan and Anya rules forever. So. <laughs> Literally, while we were watching episode, while I was watching episode two, I was just, I was sitting there thinking like, she's really good at this role. She's like, she's real good. <laughs> like what? Of course, I don't know who she is. Apparently, you weren't alone. Uh, several people in the the work Slack said they had to look it up and were surprised. Uh, and my reaction was the first time she was in a shot, I was like, "Oh yeah!" <laughs> it, like my mind just like was blown live on this show, or not live, but while we were recording it, at least it was live for me, and that's what really counts. I'm glad you got to experience that. Um, what did you make of the uh, the beekeeper? Mm. see this is where i feel like they're being tricky maybe not maybe they're doing exactly what people think they're doing but i don't it's like the whole beekeeper thing is very specifically associated with something in the comics 
but the beekeeper here, it's AIM, I believe, A-I-M. Um, did I just call it? Like AOL Instant Messenger, AIM. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, the, the logo, however, that he had was sword. Yeah. Which is perplexing. Uh, but it, anyway, if like if you were to like try to find out beekeepers and Marvel history or something, it would lead you in a very specific direction to believe very specific things. And which is which is what? Um, that AIM situation. I want to make sure I'm not like getting it confused. Excuse me. Instant Messenger. Now that I said that, uh, AIM was life for a while. I get it. I know. <laughs> um. Oh my God, why am I doing this? Why am I doing well, this? Did you ever have the AIM device, like the little blue beeper looking thing where you could do your instant message? I was never that fancy. I was addicted to that thing. Wow, like a pager for instant messages? Yeah, but like you could actually communicate. It wasn't like a one-way pager where they'd page you and you'd have to like run back to the computer. You could actually write people back on it. I didn't even know that existed. You're like now my mind is being blown on it. It was very it was very very important to me at the time and I feel I feel like it wasn't uh it wasn't the most popular thing because it was kind of like like when I w when I was younger and I first said to to my family I'm like I'd really like to have email access on my phone and I was looked at like I had five heads. All right. People um, thought it was crazy. You were just a pioneer of your time, as usual. So yeah, it is. I did not make that up. It is AIM. It's Advanced Idea Mechanics, and it's like tied to uh, Modoc, as you know. Everyone in our work slot is obsessed with Modoc, uh, which is how I kind of uh, was tuned into all this because it's a little out of my area of like the comics I read growing up. A privately funded think tank organized of oh right it's like a mad scientist union type thing uh, an organized group of brilliant scientists whose sole dedication is to acquire and develop power through technological means um so that's what like the beekeeper costume tends they're they're even called beekeepers i think in the comics because of the way that the uh, sort of house uniform <laughs> looks but i think that's sort of them trying to throw people off a little bit of that sword logo i don't know this this feels like classic marvel trickery to me like they know comic fans are going to immediately bring that to mind when they watch this or maybe it's a way of combining things you know when you're oh. adapting things you can't have everything so if you put two and two together then maybe you could touch on a little bit of everything that would be very interesting so Here's here's I guess another thing worth exploring next. What exactly is Sword's agenda or what do you think it is? And how are they how are they going about doing it? Like they're I don't I mean like well that's a That's like asking what Shield's agenda is and like as we learned from these well, not many years of Marvel, we never knew. Maybe their more immediate agenda as it pertains to Wanda and Vision's current situation. I think they're studying a pocket dimension because that's what they do. And that ties into my vision theory. So I'm sticking with it. Okay. What do you think? Um, I think all of my ideas have changed since I got so, uh, so hung up on your on your particular theory, but you know, as, as someone coming out it, at it without deep knowledge of uh, all the comics and, and the history and everything, you know, they, they seem like kind of what I know they are like another version, another, another version of shield. And, and I feel like they're, they're right now monitoring Wanda envisions current situation, trying to make contact, trying to communicate, and none of their none of their shit's working, and they're trying to pull them out of whatever they're stuck in. And we also, I guess, I'll give like a super minor spoiler warning here, but it's in the press notes and it's been in trailer teasers. It's not like a real spoiler. Like I know something you can't find. Um, you know, 
Jimmy Woo and Darcy are working with Sword, and they yeah. both coming from Thor and Ant Man deal with these parallel worlds yeah. and alternate universes. So it, you know that feels pretty clear to me. Is um never mind. <laughs> I got scared of that saying something. Is it black and white or in color? <laughs> I don't remember what episode this happens in. I'm I just not I'm just not gonna say it now. My whole professional life, especially when talking about like Marvel or Star Wars. I I literally just got that on a roller coaster stomach drop feeling. <laughs> that happened to me this morning when I signed in and said happy Friday and Adam little asshole said Haley it's Thursday. <laughs> I was like I'm not sick. I I very much should not have said what I was about to say. So I'm <laughs> I'm I'm very glad that I stopped myself, but I think that's the uh the extent of our sword conversation. Oh, I see. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um I will say this in terms of like whatever people think maybe you were just going to say that was some massive revelation. I feel that I learned way more from the trailers than I have from any episode. Well, because the trailer really does show so much more. And I think the four, like based on what we all were, like what we instantly learn about the format of WandaVision from episode one to two, you could go to that trailer now and you know when certain things are going to happen throughout the season. I'm not saying that's a bad thing and they shouldn't have done that in the trailer. I think it raises intrigue and it makes me want to theorize more versus giving me too many answers and takes away the fun of solving the mystery. I think it's the opposite. It, it fuels it very well and it makes you look forward to the other errors of sitcom that the show is going to explore and how it's going to bring more of the Wanda and Vision we know out of them in the show. Yeah. I, like I said, I still I don't feel like I have any idea what's happening, but I definitely any idea that I do have, I got more from the trailers. Like it was based on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, I had a lot of fun uh, going back and watching the trailer frame by frame after seeing these episodes. <laughs> have we missed? Have we missed anyone or anything? Wait, he, all right. Here, here's another question. The 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 toy helicopter. Yeah, that's one. What, you know what? What is it? How does it get in there? Why is it a toy helicopter? Is uh, is sword trying to test something by throwing it in there? What what's happening? That's my guess. Is like somebody trying to reach her. I mean, there's a the colors are certainly distinct. Mm -hmm. uh, which, if this did take place before Endgame, could make more sense in terms of those uh, character colors. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm acting like Endgame's a spoiler. <laughs> we know what happened to that movie. Wait, uh, wait, wait. Are you hinting at a at a Iron Man colors? Mm-hmm. Okay. It certainly would make more more sense if he was involved with somehow trying to reach her if this was not after he was dead, is what I'm trying to say. Is Iron Man affiliated with S.W.O.R.D.? I my comic lore on sword does not run that deep i don't okay. know but also that's so the sort of stuff that the mcu has no problem like changing okay yeah that would make sense because i i do think that the helicopter had a sword logo on it that's interesting and the again the colors could be one of those things where they're just trying to mess with our heads that would be a great way to to still make iron man feel like he's part of the franchise though is if it does take you know place in that time period to have him involved in some capacity and you know up our knowledge of what he was up to between the two movies as well right lots of questions to be answered what about here's something we haven't touched on <clears throat> for the children wait what for the children for the children it's all for the children as they say oh, shit. for the children I don't know. <laughs> give give me your theory and let me roll off of it. Okay. Um well, my theory is that either some force wants their kids or, you know, Vision really wants them to have children <laughs> if it's his world. 
or if they have somehow trapped people inside of their world with alternate agendas. But I, I mean, somebody wants, wants the kids, man. That's my takeaway is this is for the children. I mean, that makes sense. I was just looking for my, for my notes, which were on my phone and not on my computer as I was watching the episodes. And all I did write was for the children. So I've got no insight. <laughs> Perfect. I'm trying to see if I wrote anything else down while I was watching. I mean, like, I wrote like the shittiest notes. I did too. And I'm really upset about it now. I wrote Strucker and for the children. Oh yeah. I, I wrote I wrote at one point I wrote for the children and I also wrote Hydra Watch. Strucker. Great. We took the same two notes. <laughs> I just want to see if I wrote anything else absurd. I need to make sure I don't go into the wrong episode here too. I, th I think I'm going too far. I wrote I wrote Beekeeper. No. Like, no, in all caps. Oh. Which, it feels very, very on brand for me. That was a great moment, though. I, you know, here, here's something we could talk about a little bit. I wrote, I wrote uh, Tiana introduced, because that's going to be a really exciting part, because we, we know that she's going to have a bigger role in the MCU, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of hers in general, and I think she's super talented. So, you know, the little bit we get of her so far, I don't, we definitely have not dug into the meatier portions of her role, but you can just tell she's got screen presence and she's going to add to the, to the world. So yay for her. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And what the way that they put this, these characters together is another situation where you're just like, how do I even like theorize properly. We have no idea what her life is inside the MCU. We only saw no. her as a child. Um, yeah, I I love the performance she's giving and I really enjoy what we've seen so far of her dynamic with Wanda and the mm -hmm. way that those two actresses play off each other is again, super good chemistry. I also can't believe we've been talking for as long as we have, and we haven't uttered the name Catherine Hahn. I literally had this thought when I was texting a friend about it. I, I was going on and on and on about um, Elizabeth and Paul, and I genuinely said, you know how good this is because I haven't brought up Catherine Hahn. Yeah. I mean, they are the stars of the show. It makes sense to obviously talk more about them, but... <laughs> I feel like Catherine Hahn was made to do absolutely anything, but in particular, she was made to be a part of the show. So perfect. She's like, so fun. Somebody online flagged an interesting thing about what her character, I mean, I'll, I'll, let's be, let's be real. Her character's up to something. Oh, uh, of course. I mean, th there's another thing you see in the trailer, the like the Halloween shot. <laughs> yeah. Something's up there. Thumbs up with, with Miss Neighborly Neighbor. But uh, kind of tying into the um, for the children thing, I saw something going around, I think on Twitter that was like all of her actions in episode one were like to promote horniness in some variety. Like she was like, it's your anniversary. Why don't we heat up this oven? Uh, and then she gives him a pineapple, which is considered an aphrodisiac. This could all be a stretch, but it was an interesting thing. Well, I mean, if she if she's playing like the neighbor character, isn't that isn't that kind of part of it? The neighbor character like steps in to spice things up in some sort of way. So it is absolutely a trope that does not also mean that it's not a storytelling device. Okay. Shit, I, I need more like now. I know I need this Friday to be over so I can go fuck around on Reddit for like ten hours. Oh, you have to fill me in on everything as uh, as you discover more. <laughs> thing I wanted to make sure we touched on um well, the commercials duh oh yeah yeah um really interesting format definitely think it obviously has to have a significant purpose not sure what that is yet but I think that it's probably some sort of storytelling device within the storytelling device in in the sense that duh Haley but I mean that, like, I think put all together when we have all the commercials, it will reveal some sort of sub story within them. 
I have not even come close to touching on that theory at all because I don't think we've even been given like a crumb to work with yet. Well, they've just done interesting things like that Iron Man sound with the toaster. Um, well, this is, this is a Stark toaster. Yes, it is. But Stark, that's not a Stark sound. That's an Iron Man sound. Like Stark's an old industry. Yeah. Technology is not. Couldn't have old, old Stark technology have influenced how he built Iron Man? That's true. Would be really funny if that sound was originally from a toaster and he put it in his suit. I I really I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case because I love that. I feel I feel like the reason why I haven't really touched on theorizing about the commercials is because it would make my brain hurt. Yeah. Because then I then I start to spiral with if commercials are built into the show, then they must be airing these shows about Wanda and Vision somewhere. Then who's watching these shows? And what do they think? Um, do they think that, that Wanda and Vision are actors? And and I, I go I go really, really off the rails with it. I, it. I think that's perhaps a bit literal, but we do see that somebody is watching to a certain oh, extent. Yes. That's the framing device. And a commercial could, if like, let's say whatever, whoever's doing this, whether it's a psychotic break, an accident, uh, a, a sinister presence, they have committed to the bit, as the show has, of televi television as the world that they're living in. So just as well, whether it's, again, a hallucination, a sinister force, a commercial would fit within the world they've built. It doesn't necessarily mean somebody's watching, though we know they are. Uh, but it does, you know, it could just be whatever this world does. That's part of it, right? No, I guess. There's literally no purpose to advertising if no one's watching. True in life. <laughs> Not sure it's true in pocket universes. I don't know. I don't have the degree. Pocket universes, sinister agendas. I don't know. I don't know, too. <laughs> but it's yeah. I do. I think that uh, it's going to be really fun to once we have them all to watch all the commercials in order and see what you get out of that. Okay, I'm up That's for that challenge. We'll, we'll revisit at the end of Wandavision. A whole witching hour just on the commercials. I don't think we could do that. We could do anything for an hour, Perry. You'd be like, hey, let's talk about a poster for an hour, and we'd somehow have fun. You know what? I fully believe that. <laughs> one day and at least it's some sort of uh like a kitchen device that i can comprehend that helps <laughs> <laughs> you know what i really wanted sorry and now i'm going down like a, a little tangent you know yeah. my new favorite thing on tiktok is and it's not like even a new thing i love i love when people make videos with those mini waffle irons and put the wrong things in them oh, i haven't discovered this one yet. i can do that so people will legitimately take take like the mini off the waffle iron and put, you know, like like a store bought cookie with icing on it, and they put it in there, and they come it comes out in like a waffle. I don't know what it tastes like or what the texture is, but it's so cool looking, and it makes me want one. Well, I mean, I, if you got the right cookie, that could be delicious. Exactly. I saw someone do it with Oreos. Well, I don't know about that, but that's interesting. I think it was much to be fair. I think it was more of a like an Oreo brownie mix. Like the brownie was in there, and then the Oreo was on top, and it was waffled iron, waffle ironed into. I just made a verb into the into the brownie. All right, that's appealing. I'll give. Okay. It. I'll have to look this up. I just love TikTok. It's the only good social media. It does. It makes me very happy. What other social media makes you very happy? I mean, it's just such a blessing. I will say Instagram usually makes me happy because I feel I feel like people usually only post happy things. <laughs> eh, there's a lot of bragging. There's a lot that's of fair. That's fair. Bragging. Okay. And, uh, also, it's owned by Facebook. Uh -huh. well, that's true. All right. So like TikTok is firmly on top of the happy charts in social media world. Absolutely. For me, no contest. Yeah, I guess it's no contest for me, too. I hope somebody comes up with like a WandaVision challenge. I would love to see what the kids do with that. Have they not? Ooh, all right. I, 
they should absolutely do this. Like the fashion TikTokers should do like looks through the different sitcoms. Oh, I like that. Very cute. I haven't done many uh, movie or TV themed challenges. I saw they did a Cobra Kai one, but I feel like I never get filters to work. Mm. Like I always see a cool filter. And then when I try to do it, like the filter just plain old doesn't work. It doesn't do anything. I am just such, I don't, maybe that's also why I like it so much. I do not participate at all. I treat it like YouTube. I'm just like here to watch. I'm watching my content. I don't usually participate because it seems like the priority on TikTok is cooking and dancing, neither of which are in my skill set. So I don't do that. But I have been posting little snippets of interviews. Like when I see a, a trending hashtag, you know, because of the, the Cobra Kai challenge, I post little clips from our Cobra Kai interviews on there. And yeah, they got like a couple of views. <laughs> I got some That's great. Uh, I like that it's it's like the they made a social media that's about creativity. I know we're way off the rails here, but like this is this is genuine creativity and people encouraging other people to share their work and help them make new things. I think that's fucking beautiful. Yeah, and it it truly the way you just the way you just described it, it truly makes it feel like TikTok and Wandavision go hand in hand. Yeah, genuinely. Wow, good point. See, always here to put a bow on top of your theories. <laughs> All right. And make me sound better than I am. Do we have anything else to add on the first two episodes of WandaVision before we close this episode out? Well, just because I, I mean, I guess we didn't really talk about it that much. I will say I do like that it's creepy and underneath all this lighthearted fun, mm-hmm. these set pieces of pure joy Every once in a while, it takes a hard left turn into genuinely unnerving borderline horror territory. Sometimes I think that things are like, I, th- I think that that kind of horror touch is scarier when it's so out of place. Like that, that's why certain, certain looks even that Wanda gives with, with no dialogue and nothing really happening that's scary is scary because you feel all safe and sound in sitcom land and then a look like that rattles you. And I have to give super credit to Deborah Jo Rupp in this regard, especially since she's such like a beloved sitcom actress. The way that she mm-hmm. delivers that, let's call it a monologue of just stop it. And the transition, because it's coming from her, I think it's scarier. Because of that juxtaposition you're talking about. You know what else I was just thinking of from the, uh, now I'm going back to For the Children. Oh, yes. Like, what if we don't take it in a, in a literal sense regarding children? And it's more, it's more of a, like a cult within the MCO. It's like, you know how, you know how S.W.O.R.D. in, in Theoryland is trying to, to infiltrate the sitcom bubble? And maybe pull them out or, or something like that. What if, what if another organization with, with cult tendencies is in there too operating? And it's not even necessarily for the children, but they're just exhibiting those behaviors in this world. I think that's super possible, except I do think they want those kids. Like, I just, one envisions kids are such a huge factor in the the comics anyway and that's like such an essential part of the narrative of whatever narrative you're looking at about mm-hmm. their relationship i need to re-watch the episode with that in mind so i could see exactly when that line is used and how it's delivered i feel like it'll feel more pointed for me that way it's a lot so definitely you will be like wow they say that a whole yeah. lot <laughs> I wish I wish I had had the time to rewatch these episodes this morning. Me too. Went over. Nobody has time for anything somehow, despite being home all the time. I feel like I have less free time now. That's what I'm saying. Nobody has time. How is that happening? I'm trying to mean that in a good way, though. Really? I would like some free time. I, I could use it. Mm-mm. Yeah, but that's like a you problem. I know it is a me problem and I know, but but I think because it's a me problem and I'm aware of it, it might make it okay. I love you. I'll just say that I love you. 
That's good enough for me. All right, let's close out this episode before we go too far down that path. Haley, where can everyone find all your great writing, but all your WandaVision coverage on the internet? Oh, uh, that would be on Collider. Hey, you can, you can find my WandaVision coverage. You can find a lot, like a lot of WandaVision coverage on Collider. Uh, you can find me on Instagram where I won't be like, doing anything smart but i'll probably be posting a lot of pictures of them with hearts around it and uh you can that would be at haystack mcgroovy in case you want like actual instructions and on twitter at Haley pouch before i give my shit can you just go into the private chat of this video and click on the image that i sent you I did, yes <laughs> i had no idea it's the uh it's the aol thing and i genuinely did not know these existed yes blown I, away i will i will bet you anything that i could dig through like a cabinet here in the house and find it. That's treasure. Is it? Or is it just keeping too much stuff? You know what they say about trash and treasure. All right. I'll roll with that. You guys can find all my stuffs on Twitter and Instagram at PNMROF and a whole lot of Elizabeth Olsen ladies night clips right now on Collider. We're going to release the full conversation next week because first we have another ladies night that I'm very excited about. Haley, have you watched the wild yet? No, I know you have no time, but you should make time for that. See, This is why people need free time. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Mia Healy who plays Shelby was one of our most recent guests on ladies night and she is delightful. She spoke about season one. She teased season two. It was fun. You should go watch that. All right. That's it. We're out of here. You have officially survived the witching hour. Bye.